Mark 11, beginning with verse number 1, and reading from the King James Version, and when they came nigh to Jerusalem unto Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples and saith unto them, Go your way into the village over against you, and as soon as ye be entered into it, ye shall find a colt tied wherein never man sat. Loose him and bring him. Loose him and bring him. Loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do ye this say that the Lord hath need of him. <laughs> How many understand the Lord hath need of you today? While we, while we talk about I need the Lord, the Lord hath need of you. And straightway he will send him hither, and they went their way and found the colt tied by the door without in a place where two ways met. And they loosed him, and certain of them that stood there said unto them, What do ye loosing the colt? And they said unto them, Even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. They let them go. I will continue in our series that we've been talking about, The Kingdom in the mind of God, the kingdom in the mind of God. Oftentimes when we talk about the kingdom of God, we appreciate the kingdom of God. We love the kingdom of God. We are so thankful to be a part of the kingdom of God. But the question lingers, where do I fit? Where am I in this kingdom? And by the help of the Lord, we're going to see today where we really fit in this kingdom. Lord, Thank you for your presence. We are so indebted to you. You paid the price to redeem us from the curse of sin and death. You have brought us into the kingdom of your dear son, the kingdom of light. And I thank you for what you have done, what you are doing, and what you will continue to do. And now I ask that your word would have free course. I pray, God, that your word would penetrate the dark, hard areas of our life. Fear would be set free. Apprehension would be loosed. Someone would feel a brand new liberty into what you have called them to be and find their place in you. I thank you for your word, for it is powerful. It is anointed. It will crush the yoke. It will set captives free. And I thank you for what you will do in the remainder of this service. And I thank you for your word as it is loosed to loose each and every one of us into what you would have us to do. And we give you praise in Jesus' name and thank you for that. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. You may be seated in his presence. <clears throat> Um, I would like to have a conversation with you this morning 
that would literally unlock the possibilities of God in your life. Now, I, I much more prefer to have a dialogue than a monologue. I, I prefer not to lecture. I don't like lectures. Uh, I like conversations. I like dialogue. And, and so I think this is important uh, in the church that, that we have these conversations, these dialogues. And, and, and even though normally one person is, is up here in front, there needs to be an exchange. There needs to be, when, when God says something through the man of the Lord or the woman of the Lord, you need to say, I believe that. You, you need to respond by a good amen or some kind of response to the word of God. Amen simply means I'm in agreement with. I, I believe that. I, I believe what God is saying. Amen. Now we understand that the promises of God are yea and amen. 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 God agrees with himself. That which he has promised, he is in agreement with. There has never been a time when God has been divided or segregated. There's never been a time when, when God was one place but not in another place. He's God wherever he's at. He's God at all times. He doesn't punch a time clock, and he's God from 8 to 5, Monday through Friday. He's God seven days a week, 24 hours a day. He never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, at... Mm, and is there anybody believes the word of the Lord today? He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He cannot change, and we will talk about that in a few moments, but he cannot change. And so when the word of God comes to us, we need to uh, agree. Now, Solomon said in, in his book, the Proverbs, he said that a gift make room, maketh room for itself. I grew up and I looked at this verse and I always thought if I had gifts in me that they would make room for themselves until I really began to study what the Word of God was saying and what Solomon was saying was that, that a gift and he really were used the word bribe it was not a gift as as something uh, that coming out of you to gift other people or to bless other people but it was a bribe that would get you into places and so he said that a gift will make room a, a bribe will open certain doors for you and and it is so very true that you and I certainly can make some things happen by who you know you may have a strong enough network, and someone said that one in six people can get you to any person in the world that you need to get to. If you know six people, they know six people, and then they know six people, and before you know it, they can get to whomever you need to get to. And so you, you and I can make certain things happen by who we know, by our network, or maybe somebody owes you a favor. You've got an uncle. Or maybe just your bulldog determination that come hell or high water, I will get this done. I grew up, and the best way to get me to do something was to tell me I couldn't do it. 
If you told me I couldn't do something, just pull up a lawn chair, get you some popcorn and a glass of lemonade, and you will watch me get it done. Just that bulldog determination. And, and, and yet there is a vast difference between you getting a door open and God opening a door for you. I would lots rather have God open a door for me than to me push and push and push until I got the door open only to find myself on the backside of something I can no longer get through. Hmm. Spending years of wasted time thinking I was doing something from God only to realize I was really doing it for me, either egotism or pride or arrogance. I had, had done this and I was really had, I really had a narcissistic vein running through me that it was more about me than it was about him. But you see, ladies and gentlemen, when we align ourselves to the purpose of God, that's why Jesus in his format of prayer would say to us, when you pray, say, thy kingdom come and thy will be done because there's something about his kingdom working through us when we submit ourselves and we humble ourselves. I know those two words are not real easy to do, but there's something powerful about when we submit ourselves to the authority. We, we do it at salvation, and yet I wonder how it becomes so hard that after we surrender our life to him at salvation, we are so willing to take our life back. We, we are so willing to take back control over something. If we trust him with our salvation, then ladies and gentlemen, can we not trust him with our purpose and our future and that his kingdom will work through us rightly? Thy kingdom come and thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Revelations chapter 3 and verse 8 tells us, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door. There's something to be said about being faithful. There's something to be said about being consistent. God said, I'm looking down, and I know your works. We have all, at times said, I don't know if God knows where I'm at. We have all said at times, I wonder if he knows what I'm going through. Here is a confirmation from God to every person so you never have to ask the question again. I know thy works. He knows our good works and he knows our not so good works. But he is paying attention to every single person, not only in this building today, but all almost seven billion that's on the face of the earth. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong to them that be of a perfect heart towards him. 
And if you live faithful and you will live godly and you will put your faith in him, I bring you a word today. I know your works. Mm. And he said, I have set before thee an open door. In this kingdom series that we have been teaching, I have tried to bring our our minds to understand that we are the sons of God. That we are the daughters of God. That we are brought into the image and the likeness of God. Romans chapter 8 tells us that as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. That should answer any question you have of your identity. But may I dare say today, our true identity is only found in knowing Him. And when we know Him, then we begin to know who we are. And so the Kingdom series has been about an understanding and about an identity. An identity of who you are in Jesus Christ. And when we begin to understand who we are in Him, then we will begin to understand our purpose that we have to do in His kingdom. I don't know about you today, but I am tired of living wasted years and spinning wheels and revolving doors and up and down and up and down and spiritual mountain and discouragement valley and spiritual mountain and this high and low. I'm ready to step into the purpose that God has. I am ready, ladies and gentlemen, for the Pentecostals of Midland, Texas to quit playing games with it and step into the dominion and the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I believe God sent me here today to tell this congregation and to tell you as an individual I have set before thee an open door. I have set, just touch your neighbor and tell him it's an open door. It's an open door. It's an open door. Come on, tell somebody. It's an open door. It is an open door. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how old you are. It's an open door. And he said, I will open it and no man can shut it. And when I decide to shut it, no man can open. But right now, I want you to understand it's an open door. We talked about Jesus' baptism. And we talked about how the the writer said that the heavens were open. The heavens were open. I have searched... And I challenge you to search and find where they have ever closed again. The heavens opened. We are living under an open heaven. Amen. Somebody thank God for that. Now, you may think that what you have is is a result of your education You may think what you have is a result of your environment and your teachers. But I want to tell every one of us today, it is God that gives the gifts and the calling. It is God that gives the gift and the calling. You may not like the gifts that someone else has, but it doesn't matter. God gave them. You may want some other gifts, but God gave you the gifts 
that he designed in you. You were not an accident. One in millions of chances that you would be the person you are today. God did not make a mistake at conception. God did not make a mistake when he put you into the home he put you into. You may not like your parents. But God put you there. You may have not liked the environment that you were raised in, but God put you there. You might have wished you were born in a different time, in a different age, but God put you there. God does not make mistakes. Come on, somebody hear me today. God does not make mistakes. And let me just sidebar this as I move through here. But when you talk down on yourself, what you're really doing is you're talking down on the Creator. When you begin to talk about yourself as you are nothing, then you are saying that the Creator is nothing and He made a gross mistake when He made you. He did not make a mistake when He... Oh, I feel like preaching a little bit right now. He did not make a mistake when He made you. Quit calling yourself derogatory names. Quit talking about yourself as if you're a nobody. You were made, if you're living and you're breathing, you were made in the image and the likeness of God. I want to nail this point down because somebody needs to hear this preacher on this Sunday that you were created with purpose. You were created with a plan. I'm going to show you by the word of the Lord here today. You were created for this time. Mordecai looked at Esther and said, For this time, God brought you to the kingdom. Can I preach to somebody here today that it's this season and it's this time that God brought you into the kingdom? Touch somebody and just tell them, It's your time. It's your time. It's your time. Quit talking about yourself derogatory. Quit tearing yourself down. You were made in the image and the likeness of Almighty God. You bear His image. And the Bible said in 1 Corinthians 15, As we are born the image of the earthly, so shall we also bear the image of the heavenly. I've got to tell somebody on this Sunday morning that you are a child of God. Look the enemy in the face. Look your environment in the face. Look your parents in the face. And say, Beloved, now, Am I a child of God? And it doth not yet appear what I shall. Wait till you see me in his glory. Wait till you see me when he puts me in the place he has designed for me to be. Somebody give God praise in this house. Hallelujah. Somebody give God praise. Romans chapter 11 and verse 28. He said, as concerning the gospel... They are enemies for your sake. It begins in the 11th chapter. Paul is talking about the Jewish people. And he asked the question, he said, did God forsake his people? Did God forsake Israel? And he answers it with a resounding, God forbid. God forbid. And, and he talks about how that the, the natural vine, the natural branch was, 
was extracted and the wild branch was grafted in. But I want to tell us today that once God makes a promise, he cannot retract his promise. So when he said to Abraham, in blessing you shall be blessed and in cursing shall they be cursed. And I promise, he puts a promise on Abraham and his seed, not temporarily, but forever. Forever. I know we're living in a time where there's a lot of anti-Jewish and anti-Israel sentiment. But I'm going to tell you that God has not taken his eye off of his people. God's, hmm, I feel the Holy Ghost right there. God said, they that bless you, I will bless, and them that curse you, I'm going to curse. You better be careful taking an anti-Israel stand. You may not agree with them. You may not think they ought to be doing what they ought to do, but they're God's people. They're the apple of his eye. His eye's going to be on them. Mm. Bless them. The Bible said, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. He said, I, I'm, I'm not going to abandon them. But he said, I'm going to use them for my purpose. And so he said, they became the enemies for your sake. The gospel made them your enemy. But it's because they became your enemy that you have what you have. If they hadn't rejected it, you wouldn't have it. But because they rejected it, God said, I'm going to go get my Gentile bride, but my eyes still on my Jewish bride. I'm going to go, mm, I feel Holy Ghost in here. I'm going to go reach for my Gentile people. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to understand one thing today, and I need to understand that I don't have a right to be here. I wasn't born to the right lineage or the right nationality or the right people. But God, who is rich in mercy, but God who loves humanity. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 said he broke down the middle wall of petition. Uh, he gave us an invitation uh, into something we were not invited to. Woo. And he said because they become the enemy of the gospel, you have the gospel preached. But he goes on to say further in the chapter, because uh, of your belief, uh, they're going to have belief also. Because of your faith, uh, they're going to be added back into faith. But I want to extrapolate a verse here in the midst of this, the verse number 29. For he said, for the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. In other words, God is not going to change his mind. God is not going to change his mind. You were not born and then God said, oops. God did not allow the seed of your father and the egg of your mother to unite in her womb to say, oh no. Oops. Even that child you didn't plan. Mm -hmm. 
I know we're all into planning. We want it to be. And I know genetics, they're trying to do all kinds of mutation with DNAs and all this kind of stuff. They want to produce the perfect specimen of humanity. Can I tell you the only perfect specimen of humanity is one that's washed in the blood, uh, sanctified by the Spirit, uh, having a born-again experience, uh, born in the natural, but now I've been born in the sonship of God. And so he said the gifts and the callings are without repentance. Go with me very quickly to the book of Isaiah 59 and verse number 19. The writer Isaiah, who by many is considered to be the fifth gospel. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but then you have Isaiah and, and a lot of scholars believe that they, and they even call this the fifth gospel because it is so messianic, insightful, and it is, it is so predictive of the Messiah that would come. And so he writes here in 59:19, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. And he's talking about all people here. He's talking about every Gentile from the east to the west. They, they shall see the glory of the Lord. And then when the enemy comes in to try to decimate or destroy the works of God, Isaiah said God is going to raise up a standard against him. When the enemy comes in to sabotage the purpose of God in our life, God said, I'm going to be there and I'm going to be a wall and I'm going to stop the resistance. And when you think the enemy is going to flow over you, I'm going to send my presence and flow over him. And God said through Jesus, he said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But I want you to understand that the Redeemer shall come to Zion and unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord, for this is my covenant with them, my spirit that is upon thee, and my words which I have put in thy mouth shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed's seed, saith the Lord from henceforth and forever. There's coming a time when I'm going to blur the lines and I'm going to break down the petition and the Gentile and the children of Jacob will have the word of the Lord in their mouth. Isaiah prophesied, uh, Ezekiel prophesied it when he said, I will put a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out that heart of stone and I will write my law on the tablets of your heart. There's coming a day of transformation when I pull you out of the kingdom of darkness which is bondage and I bring you into the kingdom of light. Somebody say hallelujah. He said I'm going to make it happen and I'm promise it. Isaiah 55 and verse 10 said for as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither but watereth the earth and make it forth bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. God says, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. 
it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereinto I sent it. Let me say something to you today. That when the word comes forth, you ought not to resist it, but you ought to open and say, come on, let your word be planted in me. Because he said, what I send my word into, what I plant my word into, is going to blossom and it's going to bring forth. Is anybody ready to blossom? Is anybody ready to ready to bring forth what God has designed and so he said the gifts and the callings are without repentance I like how the Holman Christian Standard Bible puts it it says God's gracious gifts and callings are irrevocable irrevocable what did he say in Isaiah what I've spoke out of my mouth it's gonna happen I mean, if God said it, it's going to happen. And he said, whatever I send my word into, it's going to come forth. God's word edition says that God never changes his mind when he gives gifts or when he calls somebody. He never changed. See, that's why we've got to understand if God calls us, we're called. It doesn't matter if your mother-in-law don't like you. You're called. It, it doesn't matter if church folk don't like you when God calls you. You're called. It doesn't even matter if you don't like it. Lord, I really think that assignment was supposed to be for the person next to me. And God said, no. When I've called, I've called. It's irrevocable. I'm not going to change my mind. I don't care how much, Joni, you don't like the assignment. It's your assignment. I'm going to go to Nineveh, go to Nineveh, but you're going to go to Nineveh, go to uh, Tarsus, but you're going to end up in Nineveh on a fish ride. God has a way of getting us back on track, and sometimes it's not pleasant. I can only imagine Jonah staggering up on the beach with seaweed hanging off his ears. And saying, hey, you better listen to what i got to tell you because I've been sent here to tell you repent or perish. I want God to give me another assignment. He called and he's not changing his mind. There's a reason you went through what you went through. There's a reason you made choices like you made them. You can go a little further and read where all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and are called according to His. Uh, not a few things, 
Not everything that happens in our life is the will of God. But all things... Not every decision you made was a right decision, but all things... Not every place you went was a good place to go, but all things work to... I wish I had a little help in the house today. I wish I had a little help. But all things work together for the good. You think you chose your education. No, God aligned you and helped you make those choices because all things work together. Uh, you, didn't, you thought you chose the school. Well, I think this is a good college. Uh, I think I'll go here. But behind you was God saying, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. And he, oh, yes, he did. Oh, yes, he did. Uh, you better stop taking his glory. You better stop taking his credit and say all things work together for the good them that love the Lord hallelujah and so I want to I want to give you I want to give you three essences of God in my short time that I have left with you I want to give you three essences of God I'm gonna to have to move very quickly but the first essence of God is that God is immutable God is immutable Write this down. I don't have time to go through and read this, but Hebrews chapter 6, verses 12 through 20 talks about God being immutable. It talks about the promise that God made to Abraham. And it said because he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself. And the writer of the Hebrews uses the word immutable and immutability. He uses these two words. The word immutable when it is translated into the English just simply means that God is unchangeable. That God is unchangeable. When you take it into the Greek, the, the root word is a metamorphosis. And it simply is where we get the word metamorphosis. Metamorphosis means something that is evolving or something that is changing or something that gets better with time. I do not believe in evolution as taught by secular learning, but I do believe that we are evolving. If you don't believe that, look where you came from. Go home today and look at a picture 10 years ago and tell me. You ain't going to give yourself away today, are you? <clears throat> Go into the closet, I mean the way back part of the closet, way, way, way back there in the corner somewhere, and dig out some of them clothes and see if they fit. Uh, we're changing but but God never changes and so God is not metamorphosing he is he is not morphing into something God is not getting better with time God is the same as he was yesterday as he will be in the future he is the same right now there is no changeable there is no mutation the word immute means to mutate it means to grow. God came full grown. God is eternal. That's why the essence of God never changes. He can't change. He, he's not going to get better. He's, he's not going to grow into something you want him to be. God is eternal. So his essence remains the same. 
Forever, O oh God, thou art the same. But God made time, and in time is we evolve and we mutate. But the writer said that God is immutable. He never changes. Now, in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 4, God got the promise, or Abraham got the promise from God. He is 75 years old. Think about it. 75 years old. He gives him a promise that is going to take 25 years to come to fruition. And we sit around saying, God, you better hurry, you better hurry, you better hurry. As if God does not know what he's doing. He authored it. He will finish it. <laughs> and so he does not change. He, he is the same. And so you, you see Abraham 75 years, taking 25 years for the promise that God gave him to come to pass. When you look at the burning bush, I've always struggled with the burning bush. I didn't understand the burning bush. I knew that it was on fire. We've read the story. I mean, since a child, I've heard the story of Moses and the burning bush. The Bible said he looked, he turned aside, he saw it. The bush was burning but would not be consumed. I understand now why the bush would not be, would not be consumed. Because the immutability of God got into the bush, and as long as God was in the bush, the essence of it would remain the same. It would not change. It would not be reduced to ashes. Can I tell somebody something today? That when the immutability of God steps into your life, when the immutability of God steps into your existence, what He has promised will come to pass. It doesn't matter if it's one year, two years, three years, five years, ten years, twenty-five years. When the immutability of God steps into your life, that which he has promised will come to pass. And the Bible said Abraham did not consider his loins dead or the deadness of Sarah's womb, but he walked on the promise of God, saying that God promised it, it will come to pass. It will come to pass. It will come to pass. So when the immutability of God got into the bush and the bush is on fire. Whew, who am I talking to on this Sunday? That you're wondering God's passing you by. God's not passing you by. Everything that you've been through, everything you're going through, everything you will go through is a setup, the fulfillment of God's promise because the gifts and the calling He cannot repent of, He cannot revoke, He has promised them. And He that is faithful is, He that is promised is faithful. Somebody shout hallelujah. 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 The second thing is our God is a purposeful God. Our God is a purposeful God. Isaiah chapter 14, write this down, 24 through 27. I'm going to extract the last two verses of that, verse 26, Isaiah 14, 26. This is the purpose 
that is purposed upon the whole earth. And you understand this when you read uh, above that. But he said, this is the purpose that is pur purposed upon the whole earth. And this is the hand that stretcheth out upon all the nations. For the Lord of hosts has purposed and who shall disannul it. God purposed it. Who is going to change it? God purposed it. That's why you can't fight against the church. You can't fight against the true church of God. He purposed it. He planned it. He put it into effect. He established it. He said through the prophet Isaiah in the ninth chapter, the seventh verse, he shall set up on his father David's throne to order it and to establish it and the increase of his kingdom and government. There shall be no end. Is anybody here today? Is anybody hearing the word of the Lord? He has promised it. You can't change it. He has purposed it. You can't disannul it got to hurry I've got to hurry I've got to hurry the third thing I want to share with you is that God is omniscient God is all-knowing I've pondered some questions in my mind for a long time one of the questions is if God is all-knowing then why would he create a man that he knew was going to fail if he is all-knowing then why would he not just scrap the whole thing but you see the purpose of God fulfilled through man. He knew Adam was going to fail. He knew Adam was going to chase Eve. Oh, yeah. The Bible said that Adam was not tempted. Eve was tempted. But God knew that Adam would chase Eve even though he could not redeem her. So you see the bride and the bridegroom even in the story of fallen man. When Adam would chase after Eve even though he could not redeem. But it shows us the day when Christ would come and he would chase a bride that he could redeem. I don't have time to go into it. It's, it's, it's amazing. But it shows the purpose and the plan of God. It shows the two natures of God that he can redeem and save those that were fallen. It shows in Christ. When you see Adam, you see him. We talked about it a couple Sundays ago. You see Adam literally pregnant with Eve. You say, are you, are you serious, Pastor? Yeah. All, this, all these tabloids you're reading about a man being pregnant, it already happened. Because when Adam was created in the image of likeness, Eve was in his womb. And so when God took the, the rib out of Adam and he makes a woman, Adam goes, whoa. That's what you ought to be doing to your bride. Whoa. 
but he called her woman because she came out of the womb of man. But it's depicting a time when Christ on the cross would have the spiritual rib extracted as the Roman pierces his side and the, oh Jesus, and the bride would come to fruition. That's why Paul said in, in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25, husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church and he gave himself a ransom for her. He's all-knowing. He understands. He knows. But it's not in a sense of controlling your destiny. It's just the fact that he is eternal. Time was made for man. And so those three things I want you to consider as I close this message today. Mark chapter 11 gave us a story of a, a donkey that was tied that Jesus sent the disciples to go and to get. And there are just a few things I want to cause you to notice. In fact, there are four things I want you to take notice of, and I will go through them very quickly. First of all, it's where two ways met. It's where the human will and the will of God meets. That's where your life is. God will not force you to obey his calling, but he will not retract his calling. God will not force you to operate in the gifts that you have been given, but he will not repent of them. And so we find our lives in this kingdom, it's a place where two ways meet. It's where my will meets his will. That is one thing that God cannot decide for you. You will either reach your potential in God and become what God has designed you to be because you decide to be obedient to Him or you will live your life estranged from His purpose and His plan because your will superseded the will of God. The second thing is you will find the colt tied. Now, I would never liken anyone here today to an animal. I'm just using this as an analogy. You will find a colt tied where never a man set. God will call you forth in his time. I said God will call you forth in his time. Write down in your notes Galatians chapter 4 and read the first five or six verses there where it said that the son is no different than the servant until the time appointed. Oh God, I, would, I wish I had time. I wish I had time to go into that today. But you have to read it. You have to get it on your own. You have to discover what God's trying to tell you. A son is no different than a servant until the time appointed. He's in, under tutors. He's under governors until the time. God has a time for our lives. And God will never put you on the stage before your time. Hear me, hear me, hear me. There was nothing wrong with the prodigal, prodigal getting the money he got. He just got it at the wrong time. I'll tell to this side. There's nothing wrong with what the prodigal got. It was just at the wrong time. God will not put on us any more than we can bear. He's not going to elevate us 
That's why Paul would write and he said, Be not weary in well-doing, for ye shall reap if you faint not. He said, In due season you shall... Come on, somebody. In due season you shall reap. God has a plan. He wants us to come up under his plan. And at the time appointed, even Jesus Christ did not come one year too soon. Galatians 4 and 4 says, When the fullness of time was come, God sent. When the fullness of time, hear me somebody, and when the fullness of time comes, God will send you. God will elevate you. God will raise you up. Do what you got to do, but be faithful. I know your works. When I open the door, nobody can shut it. The third thing was, he said, untie What are you tied up with? Loose him. Loose him. Set him free. Take the restraints off. It's time. I said it's time. It's time. God called you for the king into the kingdom for such a time as this. Paul said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I did childish things. But when I become a man, when my time came, I put away childish things. What is still holding you in this moment that God wants to release you from moving forward? Just touch your neighbor and say, loose me. Loose me. God's calling me. God's calling me. Loose me. I got to go. I feel timing. Had never felt like I feel right now. Haven't, had never felt what I'm feeling right now. I know I'm on overtime right now, but I'm just got to preach a little bit. Hey, I never felt what I feel stirring. I've never felt at the time, at the time, at the time, at the time. I've never felt what I'm feeling right now. I've never felt the expectation. I've never felt revival like I feel right now. I've never felt it outpouring like I'm feeling right now. I've never felt witness. I've never felt reach. I've never felt this before. Loose me. Let me go. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. Who am I preaching to today? It's time. It's time for you to get involved. You've hung around the church long enough. It's time for you to get involved. It's time for you to answer the call of God. You've come to church and you've been faithful, yes, and God's noticed your work, but it's time for you to step into the kingdom. It's time for you to begin to function in the kingdom. There's a place for you in his kingdom. He called you such a time as this called you and the fourth thing I want to close with if you'll help me brother Jeremy the fourth thing I want to close with is he said the Lord hath need of him the Lord hath need of him I come today to tell you not just as a congregation but I come today to tell you as an individual that the Lord hath need of you 
He didn't save you to be a, a seat warmer. He didn't save you to be an occupier. He didn't save you to be a spectator. He saved you because he had need of you. He saved you because he had need of you. I've been trying to convince and communicate to this congregation for the past several weeks that the church is not inside these four walls. I didn't get a chance to ask you, Margaret, how'd the baptism go on Friday? Margaret came up last Sunday. She said, Pastor, I'm doing my first baptism this week. I said, that's awesome. I said, that's awesome. The church is not inside these four walls, ladies and gentlemen. Calvary was not about brick and mortar and two-by-fours and drywall and padded pews and carpeted floors. I don't know if everybody will hear me today, but I'm going to try to speak into your heart as I, I close these last few moments. God did not intend for preachers to do all the baptizing. He did not all intend for the preachers to do all the praying. He did not intend for preachers. He, he gave the gifts of ministry for the equipping of the believer. And we have too long adopted a mindset that we need one person up here speaking to us as a congregation and, and we'll just go through the motions and say that was a good sermon and then go live our life the way we're going to live it. But God is calling this church beyond that. God is calling this church. Yes, we're going to preach and yes, we're going to equip and yes, we're going to put faith in your heart because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But you need to grasp a hold of something and God's trying to put something in you that when you walk out the doors of this church uh, that you become a living epistle uh, known and read of all men uh, God's trying to put something in every born again believer uh, baptisms are not just for Sunday the Bible said he added to the church uh, daily such as should be saved our prayer session should not be reserved for a Sunday morning when we call for who had a need this week uh, no 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 no, no, God's calling you. God's telling you the kingdom is bigger than this. And I called you into the kingdom. I called you to function. I called you to operate. I called you to be a believer. When you walk out the doors of this church, you are a believer. Lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. He called us to be believers. He called us to be believers. I'm living for the day and we're going to congregate because the Bible tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. But I'm going to tell you, church, and you need to hear me. God's going to send people into your office, not so you can have a gripe session, and not just so they can unload on you what they want to say. God's going to bring people in your office. You say, well, I can't pray at work. Can't pray at school. You can't legislate prayer. If you lose your job, God will give you another one. 
I can't do that, Pastor. I'd rather obey God. Listen to the apostles with stripes on their back. They come in and say, I'd rather, I'd rather be obedient to God than obedient to men. Come on, kingdom. Come on, church. I live for the day with my phone rings, Pastor. I just baptized the family in the name of Jesus. Brother Broadway's going to the prison baptizing people. We don't talk about it much because we're not writing numbers on the wall or putting little notches in our gun stock. People's been receiving the Holy Ghost around here almost every week in this altar. But we're not putting a board where we're putting little flannel graph numbers on it. It's not about that. It's he's adding to his kingdom. He's adding to his church. That's what it's about. You can pray for somebody on your job and God can give them the Holy Ghost at your workplace. The kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. God hath need of him. Stand with me. Jeremiah 29, 11. Jeremiah 29, 11. This is God speaking. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you an expected end. Somebody say an expected end. An expected end. Isaiah said he declareth the end from the beginning. God has designed your end to be greater than your beginning. Oh, 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 hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. Your latter end shall be greater than your former. Jesus said, greater work than these shall ye do because I go to my Father. Then why are we not seeing them? Because we're not exercising ourselves in faith. We want it to happen inside this building. If you need prayer, come to our building. If you need baptized, come to our building. No, we've got it wrong. The kingdom is to move through the earth like a mighty army. The kingdom is to flow like a mighty army through the earth. Oh God, oh God, oh God. To give you not a, an end that I didn't know was going to happen, I'm going to give you an expected end. I've got something designed for you, and I need to fulfill it. Will you help me fulfill the end that I have towards you? Ye shall call upon me, and ye shall go, and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. It doesn't say anything about ordained ministers or licensed ministers. It said, when you pray, I will hear you. You shall seek me and find me. When you shall search for me with all your heart. And I love this 14th verse. And I will be found of you. 
profound of you. We started a few weeks ago in Romans chapter 8 where it said we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. We have not received the spirit of slavery to fear. He said, I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity. I'm going to turn your captivity. I'm going to turn your captivity. I'm going to lose you. I'm going to lose you. I'm going to untie you. I'm going to release you from your captivity. Who am I preaching to on this Sunday? I'm going to release you. I'm going to release you. Somebody just needs to shout, go ahead, God, release me. Go ahead, God, turn my captivity. Go ahead, God, do what you're going to do. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I've driven you, say the Lord, and I will bring you again into the place where I caused you to be carried away, Captain. I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to bring you back. Thank you for your word today. I thank you for the opportunity that I have to communicate, to have a conversation with your people. And I've given them everything that you told me to converse to them. I have not released my soul to them. I can do no, no more. I can take it no further. But I am believing. I am believing that there was words sown in the people's hearts today. I'm believing, God, that there is something that has been injected into our being. That we will see the fruit of it. We will see your kingdom come as never before. We will see your kingdom come as never before. We will see your will done as never before to the glory of God and for the advancement of your kingdom to which there is no end I pray that in this congregation right now that people would begin to feel a release from religion a, a release from churchisms a release oh God from traditions of, of how we've always done it I pray you would set today. Set this people free. Untie us from our preconceptions and our ideologies of how it's supposed to be done. Release your people in the middle of Odessa, Texas. Release your church in the neighborhoods in this community to function as the church of the living God. Let swimming pools become baptismal tanks. Let apartments become cathedrals of your presence. Let offices be places of deliverance. As people are set free from bondage of sin, let miracles take place. Let hospital rooms become miracle chambers.